0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com weightloss.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by FrameBridge. They provide the easiest way to custom frame your favorite art and photos without ever leaving your house. Here's how to get started. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code VICE. You'll save an additional 15% off your first order. Welcome to the Vice Magazine Podcast, your definitive monthly guide to enlightening information. August marks the release of our 16th annual photo issue called The Idols Issue. We paired 16 up-and-coming photographers with the veterans that inspired them to pursue the medium, creating unique photographic conversations between generations of talents. So, throughout today's episode, you'll hear from some of the young photographers in the issue on the artists who inspire them. Here's the table of contents. Photo editor Elizabeth Renstrom describes our dual covers and why we chose idols as our theme.
2: Even as it searches for novelty, photography is fundamentally additive. It's a process of building a tradition in a language, one that owes as much to what came before as it
1: depends on what is still to come. Logan Jackson talks to his idol, Ro Etheridge, about the beauty of getting it exactly wrong in photography.
3: You know, maybe maybe that's part of this conversation, is that it's like it's getting to the place where it's like, uh, I don't have to justify photography.
1: Olivia B. talks to her idol, Doug Dubois, about how their images help them process their own lives.
4: I never had a dialing. I never used my camera to sort of really make pictures of things happening.
1: Here's Tommy Kaw explaining why he chose William Eggleston as his idol.
4: You're looking too fast, Bill Eggleston says as I turn to the next page of his book. We don't talk much about photographic theories when I'm over at his place. I figured he gets asked those questions a lot. Instead, we talk about Takeout, the movie he has on, Family, and then he plays the piano. On the surface, our work is very much opposite of each other, but it has to do with the everyday and the accessible, like hunting and gathering.
1: Our photo issue focuses on young, up-and-coming photographers and the idols or mentors that had a crucial impact on them, sometimes directly impacting their own work whether they realize it or not. Photo editor Elizabeth Renstrom recalls one such mentor in this month's Behind the Cover. Even as it
2: searches for novelty, photography is fundamentally additive. It's a process of building a tradition and a language, one that owes as much to what came before as it depends on what is still to come. At a moment when billions of photos are made every day, people tend to forget about the before, especially in reference to new work. Connecting your work to that of the past is so important. It adds complexity. With that in mind, for our annual photo issue, we reached out to 16 up-and-coming photographers and asked which photographer inspired them to pursue the medium. Then we approached their idols to see if they would be willing to publish work in the issue as well. What was provided, I think, creates a unique conversation about the line of influence between younger and older artists. It also stays true to our commitment of bringing up young talent while honoring masters in the field. Some of the pairings, like our cover stars Tommy Kah and William Eggleston, both born in Memphis but separated by several generations, are more directly linked stylistically. With others like Tasneem Asultan and Maggie Steber, you may have to give a second look to see the lines drawn between their work. Taken together, these photographic conversations reveal the liveliness and vitality of the discipline. They forge aesthetic connections and deepen artistic understanding, much like those first conversations I had with my idol. Tommy Kah, the photographer behind the vibrant blue Elvis impersonator cover, is a photographer based between Brooklyn and Memphis. He received his MFA from Yale University in 2013. His work has been exhibited around the country and internationally, including in Germany, China, and Canada. Ka occasionally acts, most recently appearing in Laurie Simmons' film, My Art. Ka describes his work as being about the self in self-portrait, the portrait in self-portrait, and the hyphen in self-portrait. His idol for the 2017 photo issue, William Eggleston, is considered one of the pioneers of color photography and the creator of our vibrant red cover in a diner. His work emphasizes the interesting and beautiful complexities of the mundane world and the American vernacular. From gas stations to a diner's vacant parking lot, Eggleston finds the vibrancy in ordinary life. Eggleston has received countless awards, including the Getty Images Lifetime Achievement Award. His work has been exhibited in the biggest museums all over the world, including the Getty Museum, the Whitney Museum of American Art, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and San
1: Francisco Museum of Art, just to name a few. Here's Tasneem al-Sultan explaining why she chose Maggie Stieber as her idol.
2: Photography is a beautiful craft. You become a storyteller, a navigator, and most importantly for me, a a romantic. I can tell who you are and what you're feeling from the images you've captured. From Maggie Stieber, I can tell she's graceful, a very graceful human being. I can tell that she falls in love with the people that she photographs each and every time. She gives them a sense of pride and beauty to just be themselves. It's never about her wit and humor, which she most definitely has, or about her experience in life. It's always about the people in front of her. She's one of the most hard-working and determined photographers that continues to bring new and important work to the world.
1: Two Southern transplants, Logan Jackson and Ro Etheridge, talk about recontextualizing editorial work into art.
5: My first question was just like, where did you grow up? Like, where are you from? Uh, I was born in um, Miami. Yeah. And then we moved to Atlanta when I was about 10. Well, one of my questions was, have you ever been to Arkansas? What do you think of the South? But since you're sort of from the South, uh, you might have more to speak on that than I thought. Growing up there, there was some
3: uh, urgency to to deny the influence of it, at least as like something authentic, you know? Yeah. Uh, and being like a suburban, um, person, it was more, you know, especially in Atlanta, you know, it was like more, you know, sort of addressing in, you know, sort of like fascinated and also like negative way. The, um, generic you know middle class conservative suburban yeah. thing you know it was like both like as like a um blessing and a curse i guess yeah. and you know there was it was that funny thing of like like you know i grew up around photography because my dad was interested in it
5: uh, mm-hmm. when i was a
3: kid um but you know once it came time to make a decision about what to do with one's life you know their advice was you know like art and photography and you know that's fine as a hobby but you know you need a
5: yeah.
3: profession or something right. you know like a business degree or something <laughs> um so it wasn't like it was encouraged to creativity was something to you know dabble in not to
5: pursue as a career say like you're shooting something for an assignment like for a fashion client or just and some kind of commercial client are you thinking while you're shooting these like how you could recontextualize them like down the line or does that kind of thing sort itself out when you are finished and like when the down the line time comes it's never the same you know there's
3: always a different thing but it does happen often that like Um, it's best to not know Mm -hmm. the answer to that question because, you know, it's, uh, that's what's interesting, you know, it's just like discovery and not being, you know, not having a sort of theoretical practice, you know, it could be something that's so particular that it can't really be anything other than that advertisement or that
5: editorial. That's like one of the most interesting things. What do you think? about the the notion of there being like a bad photo, like photograph. for a long time I've
3: referred to this um
5: Warhol quote about getting it
3: he said he said I want to get it exactly wrong yeah and I always thought that was just like so amazing you know just like that's right that's right you know and and <laughs> I I sort of have I suppose I'm up two minds on that and because on one level i'm uh I was always fascinated with how to make something you know when I went to art school, it was like there was no technical teaching of like how to make a perfect image you know it was um talk therapy you know it was like yeah um for me i was I was much more interested in the conceptual because, as I said earlier, I was rebelling against what seemed like um a sort of lame emotionality in like what was supposedly southern photography or something like that, I mean I guess i I just recently had a survey show which is curated and organized, so there's purpose to the selection right but looking back at it, it's really quite um it almost seems like you know it's just a very slow. Conceptual art project, you know. (laughs) Yeah. It was like it took 20 years to put all these pictures together in a way because they seemed to all go together, you know. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I see. You know, (laughs) there's these themes that run through it and compositional motifs and color. And there's a voice. Uh, You know, maybe maybe that's part of this conversation is that it's like it's getting to the place where it's like, uh, I don't have to justify photography you know right. it's like it is it is uh polyphonous, it is like multiple it is like uh and everybody's a fucking photographer instagram is you know i mean i find myself uh wandering through people's you know instagram feeds and seeing stuff that's like wow that's pretty good or you know like i see that person's style you know i see like yeah. that person's Intense, you know.
5: And, and, uh, yeah, and they're just iPhone photos, like, most of the time.
3: Which Yeah, so- but it's still, like, there's something, you know, it's an iPhone photo that's going to that, that same place. Like, the destination, uh, the perspective, and scale are set. You know, it's not supposed to go up on the wall. It's supposed to go... Yeah, yeah in your phone and so like <laughs> you know it, it cuts out a lot of the decision making that we used to have to do or just running around you know running to the lab to get film developed and get contact sheets and select ones like I already you know in the time that it took you to do that I've like you know posted five pictures you know in a week right. you know?
5: <laughs> Yeah.
3: and so you know it's like people use their image making in the service of you know their their promotion or their voice or they're like you know just like to document their life you know and all those things are all over the place you know all you have to do is look at three friends instagram and you see you know it's like the image has that mutability can go and do all these different things you know
5: right is there such a thing as bad
3: photography we don't even think about it anymore because there's nothing there's no shock to it you know we're also like experts at consuming so like you know there's never a time where we're not um trying to find that novel thing and perhaps, like, in some ways, we don't even know what it's, what's really bad yet. <laughs> 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 or anymore. Something. We have no idea. Yeah, how do you make it bad if bad is good? It's opinion-based. It's, like, signage. at <laughs> Hardee's is bad. Photography, but it's, like, uh, I could uh, actually say, like, I don't
5: know, it's so bad it's good, you know? <laughs> right, and that is, I mean, that's something that I feel like I hear all the time like and I say that all the time like right. when I say that I like something because it's so bad that I think it's funny like I don't even mean to use the word bad in the way that it's associated usually like yeah. you know I, I could talk about this forever and ever but I feel like I probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah um
3: and I probably should get back to work here because I'm actually on a job right now in a kind of slow moment you ask me a question and I'll try to answer it real quick? Sure. Who is your favorite artist? I don't know. Okay. <laughs>
5: uh,
3: shit. Yeah, I knew that one was too much. Uh, no, okay. it's, it's. I mean, there's so many, you know, it's, really, it's <laughs> I, I an know, impossible I this, answer. That would take a long I wanna time. I want to say John Curran, but that doesn't seem fair. Would you direct a feature film? No, but I would consider uh, episodic television.
1: Here's Maria Gruzdeva, explaining why she chose Mark Power as her idol. When I first came
4: across Mark Power's work, I was completely amazed by his sense of place and the colors. He became my hero in photography. And I was lucky enough to be in a portfolio review with him when I was just beginning to work on my first project. And apart from being a great photographer, Mark Power is also a great mentor. And he gave me some practical advice, but most importantly, he told me to carry on. And I'm so grateful for the motivation.
1: Olivia B. and Doug Dubois talk about the importance of honesty in photography, from how a picture is made to how it's used.
0: Do you use pictures to process your own life? Oh, like, of course. Because- Okay. Yeah, I would think so. My guess (laughs) is
4: you do as well. uh, Although I don't do it like you. What? Well, I don't know exactly how you do it. So here's my assumption. I'm gonna make. (laughs) I'm gonna make guesses on how you work. I mean, totally guess, total guess, because it'd be fun. Um, You know, I feel you. I've always you work, although not exclusively, but probably earlier, and it's. I have a sense that it might be shifting. Um, you worked a little bit, you know, kind of like a diarist. So the camera was a part of recording your life. You know, you could write dear diary today, blah, blah, blah. I got really stoned and it was beautiful. And I watched the sunrise or you use your camera and you made pictures or you do both. I don't know. Right now. I never did that. I never did that. I never had a diary and mm. I never made pictures I never use my camera to sort of really make pictures of things happening. Mm. Um, not really. A little more earlier on than later, but then I, I realized I'm, I'm less interested in photographing things happening than photographing the idea of things happening. Mm. Um, and making things happen. So mm-hmm. that, was a sh- that was a shift... For me, early on, I have a feeling you're shifting a, a wee bit that way, you're, in, you're, you're, right? you're creating or recreating or, or inventing, purely inventing, mm-hmm. as much maybe as you recorded before, I don't know. I don't know. But that's makes sense with your pictures.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, because I've started making more series that are based on, I guess the pictures I take that are my diary, I kind of use those as notes. For the series that I'm like creating mm-hmm. um, and like making it like a more pop, like narrative kind of world um, rather than just like, pho- I still photograph whatever happens around me because I like need it for myself. But as far as like art and fulfillment goes, I like to make them the notes to something bigger that I've been creating.
4: I don't really, I'm not really adept anymore at photographing in the moment. Mm. I don't know that I can do it. Mm. I'm like, you know, I, I always forget that I, ha- I always have a camera with me. I forget. That's sort of a generational thing. I didn't grow up yep. having a camera in my pocket. Um, yeah. But even when it's there and I kind of remember and things are happening, I'm relatively inept at capturing. Sometimes I'm get in the zone.
0: Is it because you want to be more of a witness to the moment, or like no, I and think you want to, or I,
4: I think it's a kind of athletics. Mm. You know, it's it's like a muscle memory. It's a it's yeah. it's a way of moving with your camera, with your eye, with your you know um, that I haven't practiced in so long. A, a because I've been working with big cameras, and I just you just can't yeah. you don't do it. Um, that I'm so bad with this. I, I like all my cameras are like all my pictures are blurry for one because I don't hold it steady. Like, I do. <laughs> I forget to stop waving it around, um, uh-huh. and and I never like them. Mm. You, know, you so.
0: like the the more interpreted the idea of
4: the. No, moment. I, just, I I like yours. I would love to be able to. I like yours. You know, I look at them and I go, God, I wish. I don't think I can make that picture anymore, you know? Mm.
0: It's very, but did you, it's you used sweet. to be. I,
4: um, yeah, yeah. My, when I was, uh, you know, in my 20s, I was thinking of myself, not as a journalist because that, the whole idea of that scared the hell out of me, but yeah. um, the, whole, the whole framework of journalism was like all wrong. I, didn't, I, I wasn't interested in that, but I was interested in the, the being there a part of it. You know, you're there, you make pictures, things happen. So my first pictures were all of, I would go to political demonstrations and photograph. Hmm. There was, there was so all this anti-nuke stuff. That was my first stuff. It was a great adventure. We were, we could sneak in because we looked like protesters, but we'd photograph and could move in and around and, a, and it was kind of amazing. A real high. Um. Where was that? It was in New York. New York? New York and D.C., yeah. yeah. When
0: you were in school or like... Yeah, when under- I was
4: school, when I was an undergrad. Um, uh, that's what I was doing.
0: That sounds crazy.
4: It's fun. It's fun.
0: In a, yeah, in a good way. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, it was really fun. We would take then, a hundred same. foot of black and white film and just roll it up in the canisters and have like 25 rolls on
0: us and just mm-hmm. go nuts. What interested you about that, like, specific... Because you were political or because it was, like, a dance when you're photographing something that's happening, or both, or... I
4: both. I mean, certainly was political. I took, uh, you know... <laughs> uh, I took um, grassroots organizing, like, classes and non stuff. My very first thing I ever did... Um, I think it was after my first... My first summer home after going to college, I took these courses and they had just re-initiated draft registration. Um, mm-hmm. I think shortly after, uh, the Vietnam War, they, they stopped it. And then uh, at some point in the 80s, they, they re-engaged it. Um, and so, um, I, put up these posters in my town, ta- you know, in, in New Jersey, in suburban New Jersey, and um, saying about protest against draft, draft registration, blah, blah, blah. And I got this call from this woman. She was very excited. She goes, I'd like you to, I'd like you to come to our meeting and blah, blah, blah. And it was all these, like, middle-aged women left over from Viet- the Vietnam War. So me and the middle-aged women went and protested at the post office and did a whole kind of sit-in thing and we got union organizers and all this kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, it was me and a bunch of 50 year old women. It was kind of great. (laughs) It was kind (laughs) of great. Um, and so that was, that was my politics, but I also love the activity of it and, um, photographing it for sure.
0: So then I guess I'm interested in like how you started that shift to setting up photos from that, like, documentary of political situations?
4: My father, uh, when my father, um, when he fell from the train, when my father had an accident. Mm. And um, I had just started doing portraits. So I saw, actually came from um, Rich and Poor. I saw Rich and Poor, Jim Goldberg's book, Rich and Poor. And I liked the handwriting. I liked the fact that the, the people in the pictures responded,
3: you know. Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, so I did a series of pictures of just anybody that I could make portraits of. So friends, family, whatever. Um, that I could bring a print back and have them write under it. I had no idea how Jim did it, how he worked it. I didn't know him then. And um, I just naively went about doing it. And so I would make, a, I would make like four prints... And my, fa- my, you know, my families are part of this, but I also have friends with, with a print on top, you know, and a lot of white, you know, just hand them and I'd say, could you write something? And, you know, 90% of the time they wrote something really lame, you know, yeah. very stupid, not stupid, but, you know, I don't know what I would write. If you handed that to me, I would also sit there and not be able to write anything. Right. I figured all the amazing things in Jim's in that book just happened spontaneously. I was so naive. Um, hmm. And, um, but anyway, that's how I started this notion that you could, you could get to the truth by maybe not capturing it, but by asking for it. And if you ask for the truth and you ask the right questions, I uh, you can get there. You can find it, you know, it'll come to you maybe. And I was just <laughs> beginning to think about, I was just beginning to engage in a process with that. Um, and then when my father had an accident, I shifted from like, you know, outside my, using the camera as a way to go outside myself to deal, to deal. Mm -hmm. And I moved back home and it was awful and hard. Um, and I made pictures to sort of survive really. Um, and then I ended up going to grad school and continuing, um, and then with my family, they became more and more directed. They just evolved that way. A lot mm-hmm. of it was also trying to learn how to light. And I was mm-hmm. so bad at it. I had to direct it, you know, because I made so many mistakes and screwed it up all the time and they had to be patient and I couldn't figure out, you know, like even just basic bounce flash. Because mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's, all, it's all film. So you can't. You can't see it, you don't see it right. You just like shoot a lot, and then you just realize you underexposed the whole fucking thing, and that's yeah. a drag, you know?
0: Yeah,
4: <laughs> um, or that's you cool. aimed the light yeah. wrong or something. So eventually, I knew, I knew the exposure in each one of my rooms because I would just test it, and, and then I just knew the kitchen was 5.6 or whatever. Um, and then when the lights got more elaborate, it was just a process, and they, they were patient. Mm-hmm. So after they've been hanging around for an hour, what do you, what do, you do after they're bored? And they're like, can we get this picture done? You've got to gotta start inventing.
0: I want to hear more about you um, and the idea of truth in photography. Like, how honest do you think pictures are? Or, like, do you think they're the opposite? Or, like, I don't know.
4: It really depends how you define honesty.
0: Yeah. I mean, what's, what's your...
4: <laughs> well, honesty is that... Um, well, you know, it's tricky with pictures. I mean, it depends. There's, there's, two, there's two, maybe there's two important things um, in terms of, the, let's say, the honesty of the pictures. There's what what's involved as the picture's made. That's a factor. Right? But the really important thing in terms of honesty of the picture is how the picture's used. So how do you frame it? And if that framing that the the meanings that you're you're kind of hoping to generate or you're contextualizing with Yeah, it just depends what you do with it. So the like when I was photographing in Ireland, again those pictures are a lot of those pictures are performed and invented and whatever. But, oh, but, the, uh, the, but the work is completely, I, I stand by it completely as an honest um, picture mm-hmm. of, of that place and those people, and I think for the most part they would agree, and because I worked really hard at making a book that could live in that community, and the mm-hmm. fact that the book does live in that community, um, I think in some ways it verifies the truth of the work.
1: Here's Jonathan Gardenhire explaining why he chose Leslie Hewitt as his idol.
5: At first glance, I think it's relatively apparent why I chose Leslie Hewitt as my mentor, considering that I make still-life pictures with books. But I have to thank my discovery of her work to Andrew Bordwin. In 2013, after seeing some pictures I had been making for a year or so, he asked if I was familiar with Leslie's work. Unusually, I wasn't, but was immediately drawn to two seminal projects, riffs on real time and make it plain, which did so much for me when I experienced them. I was pleasantly full by Leslie's attention to the materiality of objects and photographs and what I felt was a substantial belief in the elasticity of photography. In that moment where I was trying to figure out how my images exist and interact with both my heroes and contemporaries, Leslie's work helped inspire me to create a blueprint For my own visual language.
1: The Vice Magazine Podcast is a production of Vice Media. This issue was produced and edited by Rob Schulte. For more info on the podcast or how to subscribe to the magazine, visit vice.com. And be sure to subscribe to the Vice Magazine Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. And be sure to leave us a rating and review and let us know what you think. I'm Ellis Jones, and I'd like to give a special thanks to all the voices you heard on this episode. Elizabeth Renstrom, Tommy Ka, Tasnima Sultan, Logan Jackson, Roe Etheridge, Maria Grzdeva, Doug Dubois, Olivia B. and Jonathan Gardenhire. We'll be back next month with our September issue.